Hello and welcome to a new series of Politibabble. And on today's episode, I will be joined by... Mika Chan. And as well as a special guest... Richard Caron. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming along today. Uh, Mika is in a, a new temporary position as co-host as Archibald is off on his uh, study study leave. So I'm sure Archie's actually uh, listening. Uh, so hello, Archie. Um, and as well, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Karen, uh, who is going to be um, g- giving us um, interesting thoughts as well as Mika as well. Uh, we'll have the, the usual current affairs as well, but first of all, Mika, um, we we have a question to ask, don't we? Um, so, our first feature, which is always asked when we have guests on, if you were a cake, what cake would you be? Yeah, so um, I used to live in the southwest of France, and there's a cake down in the south uh, southwest of France called Dacquoise. Um, it, it, it says what it is on the tin. It comes from the the little town of Dax. Um, and it's it's this sort of multi-layered cake. Um, it's it's a chocolate multi-layered cake, but the the first layer is kind of a nutty, nuggety, meringue thing. So I, I think kind of I am a bit nutty. I'm a bit out there sometimes, um, especially with some of my opinions. Uh, but I'm also meringue. I'm sweet. I'm kind. I'm sensitive. So I think that sums me up well. Uh, the second layer is usually a buttercream layer, which kind of says a lot about my love of sugar. So I I, I would think that describes me quite well. Sounds lovely. Sounds lovely indeed. Um, I always loved the, the cake question at the first because it just gives a bit of an insight into uh, you know the, the, the personality and everyone's I lo- the, the cake question is so lovely because it just gives everyone their their, their individuality which is which is lovely. Um, so so welcome along and it's it's a new season here on Politibabble. Um, so we we're changing things up as as we always do to keep it engaging as well. Um, so first of all, on on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about um, sort of politics in education, essentially. Uh, I know Mika's been doing some interesting research into that uh, specifically. Um, so if you want to give a little bit of background, and then we'll we'll go over to, to you about um, you know uh, coming into teaching and um, you know y- your role currently. So if you, you want to go first, Mika. Um. So we kind of had thought up this topic and thought to invite Sarah along um, to get a bit more of an insight on to, into, as into how politics is handled within schools, within the school environment, um, by teachers, not only how it's taught, but how it's addressed and how potentially it's implicated foot deeper than we think within the school system. Um, and I know that there's been, in recent years, some kind of reform of syllabuses under Michael Gove, obviously, and... Um, curriculums have been altered and changed and political kind of um, political expression in the past few years has become more and more of kind of a a prominent subject within the school environment so we thought it would be a good idea to who else who better to invite along than Mr Karen? Definitely as the director of of sick form at Balakameen I suppose politics is uh, one of the pre- one of the only schools on the island out of how many five there's only i think three that maybe offer offer politics and it's definitely one of the reasons why i moved because of my interest and it's a shame that not all of the schools um offer it and i think that um, at Balakameen, um the the students have always got uh, great opinions and i think that's uh, i think that's a, a really nice thing about the Balakameen sick form is that politics is is offered um, so, firstly, what what sort of got you into teaching, 
and um, as, as terms of the, the the curriculum at Balcomine for sixth form, do you, do you get a, a a choice on what can be offered or or, or not? Okay, multi layered question. Um, what got me into teaching? It, it, it's kind of a little bit soppy, I suppose. Um, I had an amazing teacher, inspiration, role model figure who who significantly changed and shifted. Uh, how I thought about life and how I wanted to work and 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 how hard I would have to work, um, tough love, all that kind of stuff that 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 makes you and makes you more round as a person. Uh, that guy was called Jeff Hawkins actually, and he was my head of sick form. Um, and that when I saw him in action and and I saw him um, developing people in the way that he did uh, and and mentoring people in the way that he did, I thought. You know, I, this is this is very much something I want to do, and and, and I was only seventeen, eighteen years old at that point. So, um, I would like to point out and preface that previously I wanted to be a pilot, but I, those days you couldn't be a pilot when you had glasses. So, um, second wow. choice uh, was was to go into teaching, and and yeah, I, it, it very much was that. I, I also had a something that would make that advantageous for me was my love of France, and I think if you have a subject that you're very passionate about and that you absolutely love, then the idea of spending the rest of your life with that subject is an incredibly appealing concept and teaching facilitates that it gives you that idea that you can um, forever live with the subject and, and I wanted to do that and I still want to do that and um, so I've kind of married my love of my subject with um, this this desire to to help as many students as I can Excellent, excellent. Um, so, in terms of politics at Balcomine, has that always been been offered? Yeah, so I did it. I yeah. did it back in nineteen ninety eight. So I, I, it's been definitely going since then. I, I did it, um, and in fact, my teacher is retiring this year. My fellow uh, colleague, Mister Watson, who taught me back in uh, nineteen ninety eight, is That's retiring. So it is quite I cute, isn't it? Yeah, you. he taught me. I'm not sure if I was his best ever student, but he definitely taught me. Um, so it was, the, it was that it was around then. And you asked me before what control I have over curriculum, and I have a fair amount of control over the development of curriculum. And one thing I would say about politics is that it certainly won't be making a disappearance in my time, and 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 all of my predecessors, because we've now had I'm the fifth head of sick form in Balakamine's history, and we've we've all been big fans. Of, of politics it's been there um I, I would make the assumption because when i did politics it was only one year into the reign of mrs bamford as head of sick form so um she was the second head of sick form therefore i would make the assumption it's been around since since the beginning mm-hmm. well as both me and mika being politics students um i suppose it'd be interesting to see why uh you know you you opted for politics is there any reasoning because i mean looking at lower down the school politics apart from sort of maybe current affairs are discussed in perhaps tutorial times or assembly and stuff like that uh and especially manx politics which i've been very vocal about recently um about how i think it should be definitely offered a lot more uh, across across the whole um time that young people are are in education um but but what really made you want to to opt for politics um so this is this is quite a funny story actually because I didn't originally want to opt for politics. I had chosen another subject instead and got politics um, because of the blocks clashing. But I think that's another big reason for why actually a big factor in this conversation right now is look at me now, look how much I'm enjoying politics now. And had I not had that coincidence of events not occurred, 
I wouldn't be sat here right now and I wouldn't have this political knowledge that I do that I think is so integral to somebody of our age to have that understanding of how kind of how things operate and I think that that really shows us that politics really isn't offered on that broad of a of a scale in terms of being appealing to young people because yeah it's offered on the curriculum for the sixth form and people like you who have a real interest in it may opt for it but ultimately people people who don't who have never experienced it before and who don't know what it's about will then never get that kind of exposure to it which I think is a shame because look how much I'm enjoying my politics now I'm sat here speaking to you so yeah definitely and I mean in terms of looking at um politics on the Isle of Man um obviously the you know the curriculum that we study is actually um the UK and the US but um obviously for sick form Manx politics doesn't really, apart from we can relate to it at points, you're only really, um, you know, I think the the most important time to actually imp- to educate young people about Manx politics is lower down the school because then you need to prepare them for the for the vote for when they turn 16 and you know they can they can go out and vote. Um, so in, in terms of of politics at Balakameen, um Students across the range are obviously going to have, um, you know, different views. Um, And I think that's another great aspect about politics um, that we we can enjoy in in the classroom. And um, we've got the Voltaire Society at Balcomine, which I think is another really special thing, which other schools, they they want to set up debating clubs, but there's no real drive behind that. How long has the the Voltaire Society um, been going for? Yeah, Voltaire started in 2017. It was my first year in the sixth form, um, as head of sixth form, and it it began as a guy called uh, Steve Pagan, who's the deputy head, who'd come from a school called Cheadle Hume in Manchester, a private school, and he was uh, very keen on debating and wanted to bring uh, the voice of the youth out, um, and, and, and try and make sure that it was uh, communicated and, and therefore this sort of series of guest visitors um, came came into being and, and actually, do you know, there was such a lot of people who would come in and talk to Voltaire uh, in those first couple of years that it really it worked very efficiently. Obviously over the past two years I would suggest but because of uh, Covid and how difficult it's been to get people in and out of schools um, it, it's maybe lost a bit of its impact but let's hope that that we can get more visitors in again because I think it really helps young people understand it's it's all very well having opinions and, and making quick fire opinions based on social media s- sort of mm-hmm. updates but when you actually talk to a politician you can hear them uh, building a store uh, building a kind of a background if you like a backdrop to why decisions are made it helps people rationalize those and, and it actually that helps their critical thinking and it helps the way they see the society they live in and I think that's the the biggest impact. It's not just that young people are being heard; it's that young people are hearing how how decisions are made. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been to a couple of of the the, the um, sittings there, and they're really really interesting, and they're they're so thought provoking. And I mean, the turnout as well from from especially when they had the. Um, when it was the build-up to the Isle of Man general election, there was really a, a great deal amount of students there, probably 30-ish, I want to say. So have you noticed in the sick form a lot more engagement from students in politics, whether they have been previously interested or not since sort of the, the COVID pandemic? Do you, do you think that's sort of changed things? And would you say there's been a, an uplift in, in students' interest? I, I definitely think students now on the Isle of Man are more aware of... Manx 
issues. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily sure I'd say politics. I'm not sure if they, they know the ins and the outs of what happens inside Timwald or, or the role of the MLC or, or anything like that. But they definitely are more up to date about issues and they have quite strong opinions, the vast majority of them, on the horse trams or on the landing station in, in Liverpool or, or on any particular local issue. Uh, even today, you know, there were conversations in school about the inquiry and the results of the inquiry, and I heard students talking about it. I just don't think that would have been the case 20 years ago when I was at school. Um, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because if the students are interested in that, then the education system should be responding to that and and therefore saying, right, well, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a captive audience here because they, they do want to talk about issues that relate to them. Uh, and at the moment, because of the way our system is set up which is a little bit the same as it was 30 40 years ago maybe the students aren't getting the opportunities to have those debates that you're talking about and that is for us to look at but it isn't an easy it's not an easy solution because you would have to change curriculum um i mean would you say that that has come with um a difference in perhaps political orientation would you say that that's perhaps kind of a factor in in this or or would you say it's more so because it's become more of a socially acceptable thing for social media to be projecting all of these issues or would you say that that's come with the kind of I think the general consensus of um in the world right now is that the youth specifically the western youth tend to lean just center left the average kind of um, person our age probably center left maybe some some obviously far left far right some definitely um different but would you say that that is a factor in the way kind of students are becoming more engaged is that they are beginning to form their own political orientation i know social media is definitely a factor but do you think that that's because they now have a position on things or do you think it's just purely because the information is much more easily accessible nowadays i think it's both um if you look at um the generation from maybe five ten years before i came along as a student up to pretty much the COVID pandemic, it was a generation of status quo. There was world peace. There was no concept that we would ever be going towards a major war. Um, there was a lot of uh, prosperity, particularly on the Isle of Man, um, in in huge pockets of Manx culture. There was sorry, in Manx society, there was a lot of money being spent, a lot of disposable income for quite a few people. And therefore, people tend, when you're in a period of status quo, people tend not to want to rock the boat or not to even think about how one should rock the boat. Whereas when COVID came in, it asked us quite a lot of interesting questions about society and how society should be involved in our lives. Um, that kind of concept about big government or, or, or not big government. Um, because we had people who whose jobs were taken away from them almost overnight. They were having to stay in their houses and the government were having to jump in and finance that. And we had lots of people um, getting a, a, an incredible amount of free medical care uh, and free testing and, and free kits being sent to houses in ways that we just have never seen before. So it, it led led young people to think, well, hold on, should this be the norm? Should should society jump in in this way normally? Should we be um, investing in, in, in the, the community at this kind of rate on a, on a regular basis, even outside of a COVID situation? So from one point of view, any form of instability in society will always push people into asking new questions and that definitely has led the younger element of society to say okay that was different and i now need to say was that something i liked or was that something i didn't like and i need to reflect that in my opinions 
The second thing is completely and utterly what Mika said. Young people have so much more access to different opinions than we had when I was younger. I mean, there were five channels when I was younger, and it was BBC or ITV, and that was your that was your political difference, essentially. Did you watch the BBC News or did you watch the ITV News? We didn't even have Rupert Murdoch's Sky mm. uh, Corporation coming along then. So it was it was very much limited to to what we were hearing on television. Whereas now you get a much more polarized form of politics. Um and that's good and bad because it can mean that young people jump to knee-jerk reactions about things without looking into the whole case. But at the same time it gives them scope to have different opinions and to, to challenge opinions. So it, it young people are definitely more politically aware than they used to be. Um I think Mika's right. I think that they are definitely of the left of center. Um, but I think there's also quite a large question as to how much further left a lot of young people want to go because of the injection of uh, government help they saw in society during the COVID. And now, obviously, with the increase in gas bills, with the increase in um, fuel prices, electricity prices, then they're going to be saying, well, we want society, we want government back in. We want go government helped us during COVID. Why won't government help us now? And you can hear that on Max Radio. You can hear that on Energy FM. You can hear it anywhere. They're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's a conversation that I don't think would have been happening 10 years ago. Yeah, and I feel like um, for young people, um, especially, you know, the media really love to, to hear from them. And especially, you know, young people getting involved in politics, the, the media will grab that like there's no tomorrow because uh, they want they want the, the, the youth to speak out and the difference of opinion. Um, Mika, I'm sure you've got plenty more more questions that that, that you want to ask. Um, is there is there anything else further that you've uh, that got pressing on your mind? Um, I just I think it's a good time to move on to the next question of yeah, yeah. how how that kind of if you're saying we've established that young people are much more politically aware these days for kind of a, from a for a plethora of factors, but would you say that? Um, in schools, is there is there much kind of censorship of views, both on on a teacher's, both from a teacher's perspective and from a student's perspective? Um, would you kind of, or not maybe not you personally, but would schools in general discourage pe potentially that political expression, or would it be encouraged? So, would I is the question that would I encourage a student to express themselves, or would I encourage a teacher to express themselves? Um, I think is. The question, you can take it either way, is there much censorship of views or is it encouraged in schools? Okay, um, a really interesting question because there's there's a lot of ambiguity in the sense. Um, I've never been told that I can't say what um, I would want to say about politics. However, um, under the guidelines of what I perceive to be a professional uh, and somebody who's not manipulating the minds of young people, then I wouldn't want to to tell young people how they should think politically so when i when i talk about politics or when i teach politics and i do teach politics uh french a level significantly teach politics i teach about communism i teach about gaullism uh, i teach about the politics surrounding world war one and, and world war two and how we came out of that and we go on to talk about the marshall plan and, and the influence obviously at that point of the uh, capitalist west trying to uh, um, reduce the powers of the communist east so I do teach it, but I teach it factually because I don't think at any point that any student needs to know my opinion. I think that I do think there's a fine line for a teacher between teaching facts and manipulating young people with their own opinions. And I just don't think that's something that where a teacher should 
should be going really i think i think it's all got to be done very neutrally i also think maybe that a student would lose a little bit of respect for a teacher uh, if they started to use the forum for that particular reason especially at a level where students are so astute and so switched on that that they wouldn't think that that was a useful thing for them you know just just from a completely ruthless point of view what i think about politics isn't going to particularly help their a levels um, you know, if you just look at it from a core ruthless point mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, no, I, I, I think that teachers need to keep very, very, very quiet about their particular leanings. And I think they need to engage youth with open debate, chairing open debate, keeping mm-hmm. neutral, making sure that young people listen to each other. That's really important. And that making sure that if they degree, if disagree with another person, that they do so in a really polite way. Because actually one thing I say to young people without telling them my political leaning is to say to them, you might change. You might change as you get older. I changed. I changed as I got older. And, and you know, that was by meeting people at university, by debating with people at university, by going into employment, various different things that happened. It changed the way I think about things. So young people have to be careful, I think, shouting each other down and they have to make sure they listen to each other. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think another thing is that people can change over time, Um, especially I think over the past couple of years, my views have have slightly changed. They've not changed a a huge amount. Um, But I think for a lot of young people, and especially Archie, I imagine if he was here today, he'd go, well, just you wait, you you know, you'll be you'll be a completely different side of the the political spectrum before you know it. Um, I'm sure that's what he says to many of his his peers. Um, But yes, um, touching on on the point of actually you know um expressing a view an foi request was actually submitted i think um about this time last year in regards to whether the department actually has any policy on uh, political partisanship uh, within school i.e uh, endorsement of um a political figure or um indeed any ideologies and uh, the department simply came back with, no, we do not have a policy for that, which is quite interesting uh, in a sense, because you'd think that, that, that they possibly would. Um, but I suppose when I have um, spoken to um, the department before, they've, in terms of politics, they, they t- like to sort of leave it to the schools in a sense, especially in, in terms of when I've spoken to them about uh, Manx politics, they say it's up to the schools to d- decide with the, the curriculum. Um, but I, I do think it's um, whether they should have a policy or not. I mean, if, do you have any view on that, Mika, whether they should have a, I mean, a, a, a policy? I do think it's quite um, it's quite astounding that there isn't an existing policy mm. on um, on this thing because I think it could be so very easily kind of abused um, that I think it is quite extraordinary that there is no existing policy on kind of endorsing political figures. In terms of Manx politics, I also am, again, with all kind of the government initiatives to bring the youth back to the Isle of Man and to showcase the the kind of um, the good things about the island, I am, again, quite astounded that there is nothing perhaps mandating some form of Manx political education within schools. I think that we personally have two really great politics teachers, I'm not sure they'd want to be named, but who really do kind of enrich us with that Manx culture, especially around the election time. We've learned a, quite a lot about um, the, how the Manx political system works. And I think 
through kind of Junior Timwood and Model UN and things like that, we have gotten, we have been exposed quite a lot to Manx politics, but I also think that that is down to good teachers. Um, so had we not had these two really kind of great teachers who managed to factor it in for us, I'm not sure we would really mm-hmm. be that informed about it. So I am quite, it does seem kind of oxymoronic that the department of, well, not the department, but the government are quite um, vocal about the benefits of the Isle of Man and how how kind of good our political system is, but their kind of prim- primary target market, which is the young people, to come back to the island. Obviously, the age gap that we're missing in the labour in the labour market is slightly mm-hmm. confusing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the opportunities for a young person here to get involved in in Manx politics at times. I mean, Junior Timwald is fantastic, and I wish it was. Uh, monthly thing um but you know that's just one of those things it's how it's always operating it's you know it's 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 great that it's always been there um but when we when we talk about schools and getting mhks in i know balakameen especially with obviously the voltaire society a lot of mhks have been in and um you know that's a a great thing but a lot of schools especially uh, when i was at my previous school as a bit of a sometimes difficulty whether mhks uh, want to come in or are allowed to come in and it comes down to the discretion of, of the head teacher to whether um, it, it's allowed um, yeah that's true um, I would like to say one thing um, every time a politician that I'm aware of has been asked they've come mm-hmm. um, schools are difficult places um, to just walk into I mean, because theoretically nobody should just yes, walk into yeah. a school there's got to be a tight safeguarding um, policy around that um, but it does seem that when they are asked, they will come in. And I, I agree with you. I think, you know, when you're saying you, you think Junior Timmel should be monthly, okay, that's 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 maybe going to be logistically quite difficult. Yeah. But maybe six monthly. And, and in the same way, you know, we've got we've got a certain amount of MHKs who, who are attached to our school because, they, they you know, our school sits in, in two different constituencies. So we we it would be great to invite them in on a more regular basis because they do always come in when invited and and after all there are so many voters in our school yeah it's a huge huge amount of people who who are able to vote within our school population so it would be it would be good to have them in but i do i do think it's a bit harsh to not that you're doing it but i know some people do it to say that the politicians aren't trying to involve themselves in the, with the youth because they do they come every time we ask it's just getting that to be a more regular uh, situation yeah. is, is the challenge. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that there are a lot of MHKs that do want to certainly interact uh, with young people, uh, which is a, a, a great thing. Uh, is there anything further that you want to touch on, Mika? I mean, I think that as well, um, it is a potentially difficult thing for politicians to be kind of within that school environment to get involved with young people purely from this perspective of us um, not tr- not manipulating or not influencing children's political views and for an MHK to come in especially around election times and kind of tell us what they stand for um, I know with Manx politics you don't typically get very many kind of extreme policies but um, if for example a parent were to disagree with something that one of the MHKs was saying it could be perceived as pushing it onto their children which could kind of could lead to quite a bit of bother for the school, for the MHK, for the Department of Education. It could lead to a little bit of um, animosity, you could say, between kind of how politics is handled again. Um, And I just think that coming off of your kind of teachers have to be extremely careful with what how they 
express their views, that surely carries through to people who teachers bring in or people who the head teacher brings in yeah. to schools. So again, that also could be a bit of a reservation. And that has been something that, that we have, not, not with MHKs, but with other visitors, we have experienced difficulties when they have expressed opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to name any particular visitors. I think that would be unprofessional. But sometimes parents have got in touch and said, "We're not happy that they said that, and we don't feel that in the modern day those sort of those sort of views should be expressed in a, in a school by a visiting speaker." And so we we do have to be careful in that respect. And and also we have to understand that that being an MHK is the life of these people. This is their livelihood. This is their career. So we, we do want to make sure that they're not put at any risk by coming in and, uh, and and as Mika says, being accused of manipulating people by what they say in, in an assembly is their political ideology. Um, but what, what would be good and how to use them in a really, not, not that I'm going on radio and saying we should use MHKs, but um, what how we could use MHKs in a really, really effective manner is to get them in and explain the process of what it is to be an MHK or what is the role of Timwald? What is the difference between an MHK and an MLC? What is an Attorney General? Mm-hmm. What is the role of the Attorney General on the MLC? All of those kind of questions. Why is there a religious representation on the MLC? What are these sort of questions that young people will want to know as they get older? It would really help their understanding of politics if we could go through the workings of, and we could, we've got M- M- MHKs on our doorstep to come in and help us work through that. And then you could sort of say, right, well, let's take a modern day issue. Let's take the horse trams, right? You know, you got Tim Krukel at the moment, uh, every day, sort of coming out and having to justify this thing or that thing. It would be much easier for young people to be able to get their heads around a complex issue such as the horse trams if they knew how Max politics worked. You know, Tim Krukel can't just write a check for nine million and say, let's sort the horse trams. There are so many different things that he has to go through and that he has to negotiate just to get one part of that project going again. So I think if young people understood that, they would be much less critical and much more understanding of the process. And and that would, for me, would make a stronger government in 20 years' time. Because people who understood and were educated would then grow up and think, right, if this is how it works, then I either want to go into it and change it, or want to go into it the way it is. Uh, and, and that would create a very healthy future for politics on the Isle of Man but at the moment what happens is because we don't do so much Manx politics on the Isle, in schools kids grow up with social media opinions which are generally quite negative um, as I said quite mm-hmm. polarised and they then just get on the, the bandwagon and you know you'll hear year nines going walking around the corridor slagging off the horse trams and you think I'm not sure if you know the compl- complexities of that mm. issue and if you did and if we could teach you them then maybe you'd you'd have a bit more sympathy for how that situation has developed. Who knows? It's just a, it's an idea worth looking at. The one thing we also haven't talked about is the other side of politics. We're kind of talking about the people. Yes, that, that we're talking about the MHKs, the sort of social, mm-hmm. the social issues about politics, the the pressure groups, how pressure groups work, how demonstrations work, the freedom of speech, all that kind of thing. We can definitely do more about that. I think that, that I was going to say something actually about that um, while you were speaking. It just that politics has very many um, layers to it. It's not purely just about perspectives and political orientation. There are so many ways to teach politics in a neutral fashion, just purely teaching the theory. I know for our A level, we learn a lot about kind of institutions and the inner workings. Mm-hmm. We learn yeah. about 
um, how the things constitution, are how things are influenced. And I think it is so very easy to teach politics. I mean, not probably not easy is not the correct word here, but I think there are so many different ways in which you can teach politics without having to even touch upon the side of kind of social issues and the Second Amendment and Roe versus Wade and all these kind of social issues that potentially could be maybe not as easy to teach to younger years at least although they are difficult issues and should be addressed um there are so many different ways we can integrate politics and that does kind of lead on to the next question unless you've got anything Mm -hmm. else on this i just wanted to just add something quickly for a lot of people they see it as conservative versus labor that is what politics is and that does it annoys me a little bit Politics is is everything, you know. It's how we are governed. It's what people believe in. It's it's so much. It's such a broad um, area. But for a lot of people, it's very confined, and it's uh, you know, it's seen as oh, it's it's for older people. It's for you know people that that you know just get annoyed about things and you know for some people it it is but but it's it's a lot more than that and um i definitely say that you know um people politics is is a fantastic thing to 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 get involved with um it's a game it's a jigsaw mm -hmm. and and that's the one thing that i think i've understood as i've got older like you're saying it's it's not necessarily about whether you're right wing or left wing understanding politics particularly in the isle of man is understanding the pressures that the politicians have in fitting the jigsaw pieces together, both economically and um, both within the, the constituencies um, that, that you have on the Isle of Man, um, trying to keep everyone happy, the idea of not in my backyard. You've got so mm. many things to balance. And, and, and that is maybe something we don't think about. We're so quick to say, why haven't they sorted that road out? Why haven't they done that? And yet we don't think... But just just two miles away, there's something really good that's just happened, and maybe that came as a priority because economically they couldn't do both in the same year. You know, we just haven't quite thought. I don't. I don't think we have a long termism when we talk about politics on the Isle of Man. I think we're always quick on the short term, and that's one thing I would definitely want to talk about in terms of education with young people: how to see the big picture mm-hmm. of politics. Yeah, which is completely what I believe turns a lot of young people off about it. You know, they just see it as, uh, you know. Um, very very complicated um and this is really what politibabble has has been about when me and archie uh, well when archie set it up it was about with um sam and brisha and ewan was about breaking things down and you know making it relevant to young people um which is which is what needs to be technically done from the very top you know um government is seen as um as archie always says if a young person sees a government logo they'll just they'll just scroll away or they won't even look at it um but i think um that politics is should be made accessible for everyone but but back to you mika on your point that you're going to talk about very good uh introduction into this next question is of should politics be a core subject and i know there's a few different kind of ways you could approach this question um one obviously being the benefit for students but another kind of being um perhaps the the reservations of teachers about it being core subject i've done a lot of i've spoken to a lot of people about this and one kind of um one thing that was brought up was teachers when they teach politics um may be potentially difficult for them to keep to keep neutral because obviously it is 
a very politically in- inducing kind of topic, politics. But um, yeah, yeah. I think one point that was brought up was um, in terms of teaching might have the syllabuses and the curriculums might have implications of kind of views which is obvious as they were set up by our government they're obviously going to not look too harshly upon our governmental system but um i think one one point raised was that teachers may find it easy to teach something that they agree with so for example we're we're living in a liberal democracy right now if teachers think that that is a good system to live by then they will be teaching the curriculum of said democracy. However, if we were living under totalitarian reign, teachers may find it more difficult to deliver the materials given to them by that kind of that government. So what are your thoughts on if, whether politics should be a core subject from both the students and the teachers' perspective? Yeah, um, my mum went, went to school in the 1960s. She's a, a baby boomer. And um, she once said to me that Latin and the study of Latin was fundamental to her because it, it, it completely and utterly came up in everything that she studied from that point on. It seemed to just constantly keep appearing, uh, whether it was prefixes or suffixes of words and, and, and stuff like that. And I, I, I feel exactly the same about politics. I, I feel that when I first studied politics at the age of 17, if, if I hadn't studied politics and if I hadn't gone through that course at A-level, I think my life would have been significantly emptier um, without it going forward, because it seems to have crept up in in almost everything and, and in so many conversations, social conversations, conversations when I was traveling, conversations when I've been to different countries, different continents, uh, a lot of it comes back to politics. And a lot of my reasoning, a lot of my rational thinking comes back to politics. A lot of my critical thinking comes back to politics. And so from that, from with that viewpoint, it worries me that we have students leaving school who have not gone through that form of education because whatever happens to them, whatever they become, whether they, whatever job they do, they will have to confront politics because they will have to understand what is happening in their society, why it is happening, and try to rationalise that for themselves. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen that in the last two years with the explosion of political opinion on social media. Sometimes, some of the things you read... You think to yourself, I'm not sure that person would have had that opinion if they'd been educated through the system that I've been educated, just in terms of rationalising mm-hmm. um, and not being so critical, not necessarily in terms of ideology. And therefore, the answer, I suppose rather long-windedly, is yes, I believe it should be core. Um, I'm a bit uncomfortable with core as a concept, actually, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, I don't like the idea of three core subjects. I, I think what what it's led to is is an over-investigation on, on two subjects in particular, I don't know if you can ever be overtaught English because it's our language and um, it's uh, an incredibly important skill to have to be able to develop and use your language both in a written and uh, oral form. But I do think that we turn kids off maths and science by overteaching in terms of modules. We, we, we tend to forget that they don't actually need all of the stuff that we're teaching them. They need mm-hmm. a certain amount of it. Yeah. And of course they do. And that's why they're core because they do crop up in everyday life. But I'm not sure if some of the things that I learned um, in maths have ever been useful since the day I closed my GCSE maths paper. And I think you could probably fill some of that time with with maybe some some philosophy thoughts, some political thoughts, um, so that we can start educating future generations, exactly as I said before, in areas of life that will affect them when they get older, um, as opposed to necessarily 
knowing what X and Y are on a graph. That's quite a controversial thing that I've just said, and I know I don't know how the maths department are going to feel about me tomorrow when I see them. Um, <laughs> going on to Mika's point, I definitely wouldn't allow it to be taught by non-subject specialists, though, because yeah. I think that's where you would end up with politics becoming a controversial subject in school. It has to be taught, as you said, by people like the two people who are teaching you, who are incredibly neutral, and they they open debates up beautifully, mm. and they open up debates about. Um, society and current issues very beautifully that's how politics should be to be taught really um i think if you just did it as part of a pshe program and every tutor taught it it would be putting certain tutors in a very difficult position yeah because they don't have that extensive background in the area yeah whereas if it was core anyway i'd expect that there would be specialist teachers to teach it that's a really exciting idea it by is. the way we're, we're yeah. putting yeah. something pretty big out there yeah I think, definitely yeah i think in terms of going back to your thing about core subjects I think we've already had this conversation um, as part of a group discussion at school but um, core subjects don't always necessarily it's not always necessarily about the content that sets you up for life I think that maths brings logic logical skills brings problem solving that you wouldn't be able to get from anything else so albeit potentially that the content itself might not be as important the skills that you gain from learning that content and persevering at it um Oh, I think extortionate and same applies for politics although some people may say oh why do we need to know kind of the, the workings of the chambers and why do we need to know about the legislative council but I think it's more so about having the awareness that that information does exist if that makes sense I think so many people before kind of taking our politics course probably you excluded because you're very knowledgeable from the get-go but so many people just did not know the extent of what was out there and I think that our our two teachers honestly really should be used as a blueprint because I don't think I've ever seen not that I've seen much politics be taught but I don't think I've ever seen such a an intricate kind of um, teaching style that somehow still remains neutral while exposing us to such a broad kind of spectrum of views so I think unless you've got anything else I, yeah. I just want to jump in on that yeah, because definitely. I agree with Mika that it, there are transfer, hugely transferable skills, very much like learning a language, which is not necessarily always about learning the language. It's about learning the analytical skills, the confidence in speaking, the, the incredibly difficult skill of listening. Um, and that that is where languages are so important in schools. Not necessarily when people say to me, "What's the point in learning German? I'm never going to go to German." Uh, sorry, German. I'm never going to go to Germany. I would say, "Well, hold on a minute. It's not just about learning the language." And I agree with you about maths. I just sometimes feel that we just turn certain students off by overdoing certain core subjects. Um, and, and maybe there's a place for a bit of change in that area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the one, <coughs> the reason why we've touched so much on, on Manx politics back and forth, as well as talking about sort of the curriculum of politics, is that, you know, we are governed by, um, you know, 24 MHKs and then uh, I think it's uh, 11 people in the in the Legislative Council. It's an awful lot of politicians um, for, for for a small area. Um, I'm not going to go into whether that's the right amount or not, because that's, that's a, a long conversation. Next episode, um, but, but it's it's so important, our system over here, you know, as being the longest continuous democracy in the world, and that we are not heavily um, teaching politics, especially at the lower... A, a end of of the the scale, I think that's um, 
a huge problem and i think that's something that really the the department of education really needs to to look at and um and assess really um because you know when it came to to the election and me and archie ran a, a campaign um for, for for to entice really young people and make them aware that you know they are able to vote um we had several mhks and I, i'm not i'm not going to say any names or anything um but that came to us and said you know how with only a matter of days before the election how can we get how can i appeal to young people you know kind of speak to you and 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 all this kind of thing and um you know <coughs> i i i really do think that, that that we need to see some some change on, on that note but before we we wrap up and go on to, to current affairs do you have any more questions mika and is there anything that that, that you want to, to add on on anything that we've discussed or we've not mentioned yeah, I mean, just to just listening to you then, I think if we did bring it into schools, we'd have to bring it in um, by teaching the issues as opposed to teaching about the people. Mm-hmm. I think if you start teaching... Sorry, <coughs> frog in the throat. I think if you start teaching about the people, then that's where it becomes a bit polarised. And I'm not sure if it's actually a very progressive thing to do because those people will change. Yeah. But the issues... Mm-hmm. Still and the, the system um, that, that, that we operate under... Um, I think just a last thing for it to be <coughs> kind of a core subject. From what age should it be implemented into the specifications? I think. Do you have any views on perhaps? I know that. Um, again, it is. We do have to remember that politics is a very intricate matter to to cover and to kind of expose very young children to to kind of the inner inner workings of perhaps our systems could like you said put them off but from what age do you think it would be um good to if it were to be a core subject if it were to be implemented into the school system on a permanent basis from what age would you say that it was well i i'm not going to give it a, a fixed area because you know i don't really know what what would be an appropriate age because you know i'm i'm not don't don't really know that that kind of thing is not being an education educational specialist but what i can say is uh, an MLC, um, Kerry Sharp said a, a couple of years ago on a on a debate show with with Paul Moulton, when when she talked about um, Manx politics and uh, how how it's taught in school, she said that you know perhaps when we look at y- younger, we, we should be just implementing the very basics of of of, um, of things and then really ramping it up. But if I, if I was going to give a, a view. I'd probably say the end of primary school, and most MHKs tend to give children at the very end of primary school a, a tour round round the legislative buildings. But uh, I do think it's important that you know we incorporate global um, politics as well, which is another thing that's. I know I'm going back off topic, but global perspectives. I only heard of that when I joined Balcomine, yeah. and that sort of delves into a slight bit of politics as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a humanity, it's a new GCSE in the sense that it's going to be examined for the first time this year, and um, it's run It's run at this point only in Key Stage 4, so only for the GCSE year groups, but there is talk at some point of developing it down the A-level route, we've just got to get the exam board right and make clever decisions in that respect, so I wouldn't want to knee-jerk into it straight away. Uh, I'd also think with any new subject you need to see the results of GCSE before you bring it in, but yeah, that 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 is very interesting uh, in terms of developing the the way students think about um, the rest of the world and the issues that the rest of the world face. It, it, it's in a way, it's quite similar to human geography, but um, uh, as as a kind of separate standalone subject. 
I, I just thinking about what you're saying about the perfect age and um, as a like I said before right at the start of the program I lived in France and the French education system there is a philosophy lesson per week from the age of 11 and what's interesting in that is they don't really do, they don't really divorce philosophy and politics in France um, your philosophy builds your politics yeah so they what they do in philosophy I mean they don't sit there and do you know read Jean-Jacques Rousseau or, or you know all all week? They they will discuss various different issues to do with France or or how they feel about the motto of France or how they feel about being a French citizen and what that means to them. And then from that, over a period of time, they will develop their political opinions. And so what, I remember going to university in France at the age of um, twenty one and just feeling really ignorant because although I'd done a French, uh, politics A level uh, at Balakamine. These guys were just so switched on politically, um, and I remember because we, you know I was going in just after the two thousand and two general election, which was a huge uh, general election for France because Jacques Chirac just beat Jean Marie Le Pen, uh, and and the whole country was talking about it. And I just thought, wow, I don't think I'd walk into a student union uh, at, at York University where I was and have the whole bar talking about an election. I just don't think that would be the case. So, and, and I said to someone, "How come you're so switched on about this?" They said, "Well, we've been doing it since we were eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, there you go. That's how you build a, a strong political and philosophical generation. Excellent. Well, if we have any further points to add, then we, we'll, we'll move on to our current affairs. Well, firstly, we will look at um, the Isle of Man. And um, in the past week, uh, we had a video released by an Isle of Man historian, uh, Charles Gard, which looked into the um, sort of damaging effects that lack of uh, upkeep on Isle of Man tourism. Secondly to that we had the release of the report into the uh, Dr. Rosalind Ranson case against the Department of Health and Social Care and that tribunal ruled that um, Dr. Rosalind Ranson was unfairly uh, treated and backing that up um, David Ashford has recently just said that he is not considering his position following this decision. So there are just a, a couple of, of things that uh, have cropped up this week. The um, Charles Gard video um, was very interesting and it really made you, they were sort of, they were minor details, but they do have a huge impact and it especially focuses on the on the area that we are right now, um, Douglas Head. Is there any thoughts um, from from yourselves on, on, on the video? Yeah, I mean, I was I was talking before about making sure that we had patience with politics when uh, and politicians when we're talking about major strategic decisions where you having they're having to balance things and put jigsaw pieces in the right jigsaw holes. However, when it comes to um, aesthetics mm. uh, and just pretty simple aesthetics, I think that's why that that video got got so many views. I mean, it, it, I don't know if Charles God would be. Um, actually over the moon that when you type the Isle of Man um, it now comes up with that video of his very first hit on Google because oh sorry on YouTube because you know Charles God's done so much amazing work in promoting the Isle of Man Mm -hmm. and all of those incredible videos he makes about the Isle of Man just look so gorgeous and I used to live in England watch those videos and think I've got to get home but that you know that's probably why this video has been so well um received by the public because they know that this is a person who loves the Isle of Man his heart is very much uh in his soul it bleed you know he bleeds man you mm-hmm. know that's what that's what he is and so for him to 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 put that out there was 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 a very very brave move and and, and I think respected I actually think it's been very well 
respected and received by the politicians as well. I have to say, I've, I've been very impressed by the openness and the honesty that they've shown in how they've come forward about it and said, you know, I, I think it's great in life where people put their hand up and say, do you know what? That video does expose some things that we need to sort out. So hopefully a positive for the island in the uh, in the long run. Yeah, definitely. Mika, is there anything else that, that, that you wanted to add? Did, did you did you watch? The, did you see I the did, video? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that Sir's pretty much covered it, but I do think that the Isle of Man has this reputation, um, whether it's just or unjust, does have this reputation for falling on the small details on the mind things that could be done without such bureaucracy, but somehow always managed to end up in administrative and logistical kind of complexities and complications and delays. And I think that some of those, some of these, especially with the TT coming up now for the first time in a, in a long, long time, as as it feels like anyway, um, I think it, it is quite important for us to really take that on board. And like you say, I think it was a brave move from someone who has shown quite a, quite a lot of support for the Isle of Man in the past. I think it, it, it's a bit of a... We're all very proud to live on the Isle of Man. Well, I certainly am. And I, I, I think the vast majority of people I know are proud to live on the Isle of Man. And I do sometimes think that we're so protective of it and we're so proud of it that we do get ourselves down about things that maybe other people who are coming over wouldn't see. Yeah. Um, and and I totally agree with what um, people are saying, that there are definitely some small aesthetic things that need to be sorted out. But the island is actually in a really good shape. You know, I know that because I came over from England and, and I, I was just blown, blown away by how good it looked, you know, because, for example, so much less graffiti than where I was in England, so much more litter than where I was in England, um, so much less antisocial behaviour than where I was in England. And, and therefore, I'm still in that kind of bubble where I walk around thinking the island's just still a great place. Like, let's not get too down about it. Maybe it's good that we're such perfectionists, but at the same time, we've also got to see the big picture is that we're in a pretty good place. You know, we're, we're okay. And um, I love the fact that we are now going to change, you know, we're going we're gonna to hopefully sort all those things out in that video. But I do think that we have to be realistic and say, we're okay. Yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, we, we are not, not in a bad place. So to finally just round up Isle of Man current affairs, for those of you who don't know, um, in, in the beginning of the, the pandemic, there was a lady who was uh, leading the Isle of Man sort of response um, to COVID-19 is the, the medical director, Dr. Rosalind Ranson, uh, because actually the, the public health directorate, Dr. Henrietta Yu, was actually uh, away, which is uh, another quite startling thing when there was a, a world pandemic um underway and it was you know it was by february time it was cl clearly spreading um but over the past week there was a, a tribunal and um this was really to do with how dr Rosalind ransom was was treated and she was actually um it was confirmed by manx media over last summer that she was uh, allegedly dismissed and and now it's um been confirmed that that through through the tribunal um and i think it made some quite um startling sort of um, realizations of how uh, DHSC were treating her um, and especially uh, the higher management and as as well things were being passed on and um, the communication by uh, the, the people at the very top there and uh, we, we had a statement come out yesterday from Alfred Cannon the, the chief minister to say that he will be making a statement uh, not on the uh, on on the issue but about um, sort of the culture as he can't uh, go into it in too much detail at the moment because it's at the uh, sub-judiciary 
phase. Um, but it, the report, 200 pages long, uh, very interesting. I, I, I scanned through, and some of the the, 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 the things that were said were, were really quite, um, quite concerning. Is there any sort of... Um, bits that you want to want to pick up on 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 that I mean, on that issue there was another thing as well within the kind of off the back of the well not off the back in the midst of the pandemic with dr rachel glover yeah yeah, um, yeah. again another dhsc thing where there was kind of a bit of i mean one could say animosity but it was a little bit more like conflict with kind of a twitter coming in and mm-hmm. ashford saying that the that she wasn't um, employed by the or something along the lines yeah, of that. And um, it was all, again, another big controversy. So for this to happen again, it kind of seems a bit like deja vu. Yeah, yeah, and it clearly shows that, um, you know, w- within DHSC, especially at the very top, there is some, you know, serious problems and either they, they things have changed or they are fixed. Um, but, uh, I mean, Afrikanen's going to give a, a statement on, 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 on things in, in the coming days. Um, but it, it certainly is very, very questionable. And I mean, some of the, the, the statements that were made, but uh, Dr. Rachel Glover was um, involved in the tribunal. She was giving evidence um, in su- in support and um, her experiences as well with, 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 doc- with um, Dr. Ranson. Um, but I think we'll we'll wrap up. Could, could I just yeah, say yeah. on that, that that you know, if I was, for example, taking this as a politics lesson in a school, yeah. and this is where politics is important, the the ins and the outs of the case are, are are not necessarily for me to comment on. But the idea that we live in a society where the rule of law is uh, so important, and where we have a judiciary that upholds accountability, that's something that's really important. And, and from that case, you could you could teach somebody in school how important um, the checks and balances system in our society is, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where um, politics is so it's so crucial that we get more politics into school because otherwise people will just see that as a a conversation where somebody else can go off and slag the government off. But actually, that's not what the core issue is. There, the core issue is that 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 our government allow a checks and balances system. And that we have the rule of law, and and those kind of things, as a Manx citizen, they they should be celebrated, mm-hmm. and that is the message that I get from that case. Well, just to look on the the UK side of things, um, it's uh, been reported by the BBC News that the police issue fifty more fines uh, to Downing Street uh, in regards to the the COVID fines, um, and you know with the, the battle between Sakir and Boris at the moment on uh, you know their their covid experiences which have been um you know very interesting um it's it is quite quite shocking what's 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 going on there and um you know a hundred fines for for one building and you know the person responsible is still in power it, it's it's shocking i mean i really. watched Sakir's live statement the other day um regarding for those of you of you don't know, um, Keir Starmer has now also been accused of misconduct during the kind of going against the um, the guidelines. He was having having a beer. Which yeah, was allegedly at the during, moment, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, supposedly during a work day, and it's a very back and forth thing. And he came out and he made a statement. Can't remember what day it was, but watched Monday, it live. I think. It might have yeah, been yeah. Monday. Um, and he said that. Um, if he was to be fined, he would resign. And I think that a lot of people are very kind of surprised by that um, because he's taking a, a gamble, really, there. He's he's leaving his fate down to the Durham police. 
Mm-hmm. Um, really but, is, yeah. And a lot of people are confused. I think a lot of people kind of think that if he thinks that it's just it's unjustified for him to get a fine, if he's that confident in himself, then good for him. But I also really do think that it's um, it's a quite a tactical move by Labour. There, um, it's a show of kind of solidarity. Um, it's and it enables them, even if he is to be fined, it enables them to carry on without that kind of shadow of misconduct. But it also, if he comes out on top, he then looks like a a much bigger winner, and he's kind of putting Boris's prospect of a vote of no confidence back on the table. I think there because he's called many times for Boris to resign, and now that he himself is in the same kind of position. He's showing that how he thinks he should handle it and he could really come out stronger than this. But again, it's a big gamble for him. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, I'm afraid that we are going to have to wrap up there yeah. uh, due to scheduling of, of, of the next programme that we'll be having here on Manx Radio. Uh, but thank you very much um, for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic. I'm sure we could chat for hours and hours so we'll have to make sure that um, you come back Um, thank you very much for all of you who've uh, listened to this podcast it is series 7 of Politibabble if you want to listen to more of the podcast you can go to www.manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward slash Politibabble and again if you do want to get in touch with us you can uh, email us at politibabble at gmail.com thank you both for joining us you've been Politibabbled